Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Josh Carr Show. As you can see, the microphone is in frame. It's all put together. Again, thank you so much for your support so that we could buy some nicer equipment. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the GOP debate. It was fiery in some sense, but as we'll talk about, overall it was kind of boring. It didn't really change a lot. There were some really funny moments though, which I will be highlighting. As always, we are sponsored by Two Beards Post and Gulag America. We'll be talking a little bit more about them later. First, I want to give my kind of overall impressions of the GOP debate. Then I'm going to be breaking down each individual person from least important or the person who lost to the person who I believe won. uh, And that is going to exclude Donald Trump from this. I'll just go off the bat right now saying I believe Donald Trump won this debate. Uh, I shouldn't say that. He didn't win the debate. As we'll talk about, I have my who I think won the debate. But Donald Trump won politically today. He didn't participate in the debate, so I think it's kind of dumb to say that he won the debate. But you can say politically that he's ahead of where he was yesterday uh, because of some of the dumb things that some Republican candidates said during the debate. 9.3, just to give you a, a little bit of stats on what happened with the debate if you weren't able to watch it, 9.3 million people watched this debate. This is a pretty sharp decline in viewership from the first Republican debate just last month, which was 12.8 million people who watched that one. That surprises me, I have to say, because of the fact that this one was streamed on Rumble in addition to Fox Business, and the last one was only available for cable. So to see such a large decrease is pretty surprising for me, considering that it was streamed for free on Rumble, which is where I watched it. So I have a hard time. I really think that I really think that might be a big indication that people were watching Trump's rally more. But also, I don't know if they were really watching Trump's rally. I just think their mind might be made up a little bit more on who they're voting for. And that goes for Trump as well as the candidates on the stage. I just don't think people felt like they needed to watch it because they already know who they're voting for, which definitely spells trouble for those who were debating because presumably they were there so that they could distinguish themselves in some way, which as we'll talk about, most people really didn't do. So as I said, I'm going to go through everyone from the least important or the person who I think did the worst in the debate to the most important. But really quick before I do, I do want to start with our premium sponsor of this podcast, Gulag America. I don't know how it is for you guys all around the United States and even the world. We do have quite a bit of a, an audience in the UK and Australia and New Zealand. But at least in Utah, where I live, it took a turn this week. It got cold. And that is why I partnered with Gulag America. Gulag America does have t-shirts for the summer. But my favorite thing that they provide are the sweatshirts. They've got hoodies with patriotic slogans. Uh, they're really high quality stuff at a really great price if you use my code Josh Carr 10, you will get 10% off at gulagamerica.com. They make for fantastic gifts as well. So if you have a family member who's patriotic uh, that has a birthday coming up, I seriously suggest using my code Josh Carr 10 to go get them some sweet clothes. They wash really well and you just can't have too many hoodies as you go into pumpkin spice latte season. All right, going in again, that's gulagamerica.com. Sorry, I forgot to to say the website one more time. Okay, going into the person who I think did the worst, of course, I'm going to mention Doug Burgum. Now, really quick, for those, if there's like the 2% of America, or Republicans rather, who are listening to me right now and they're saying, we like Doug Burgum, he's our guy. I like Doug Burgum too. I like what he's done in North Dakota. I like that he's a businessman. He's Even though he's a governor, he's still fairly 
he's a bit of an outsider still in the fact that he came from the private sector. And I like that about him, but he was really upset. And I want to break down this part of the debate because I did a lot of thinking and it kind of made me think of a new political strategy as well. He was really upset because he didn't get as much time as the other candidates. And this is true, by the way, he did not. Uh, to be clear, though, he was asked around as many questions as the other candidates, but he didn't get time because no one talked about him. And what I mean by that is in the debate, when someone responds to a question, so say Mike Pence is asked a question, if he's asked a question and during his response, he brings up Tim Scott or probably more likely he'd bring up Vivek Ramaswamy because he likes to trash on him a lot. That person now has the opportunity to respond because he's been called out. And the reason why Doug Burgum didn't get as much time is because no one sees him as a threat. He hasn't really done a lot on a national scale for people to criticize. Therefore, no one mentioned him in their responses. Therefore, he had no time to respond to them like other people did. As we'll talk about a little bit later, there was quite a bit of contention in this debate. And so it led to a lot of back and forths, which is warranted when someone is calling you out, you should be able to respond. So Doug Burgum just didn't have that opportunity. So what you saw during the debate is he just like over and over again is trying to interrupt people and give his two cents, but no one really cares. But this is what, okay, I want to, I thought of a new political strategy. Maybe you can put in the comment section whether you think this is viable or not, but hear me out. If you are trying to take the most time as a candidate, uh, obviously you want people to call you out. And what you can do by that is just to call them out as well. But also think about this. If there's someone like a Doug Burgum in the room who you know is probably not going to win. I mean, he has very low numbers, barely was able to hit that 3% threshold. Why not call him out as much as possible so that he can suck more time out of the room from the other candidates and they won't be able to speak? I don't know if it's a viable political strategy, but I feel like it could be good for debates if like, say Vivek Ramaswamy randomly just started mentioning Doug Burgum, not even in like a super antagonistic way, but just like threw his name in every response so that he, Doug Burgum then had to respond and his bigger competitors like Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis couldn't have time to speak as much as he did. I think it could be an interesting strategy. You'll have to let me know what you think in the comments down below. Okay, Doug Burgum was the biggest loser of the night. The next one really surprised me because I thought his performance for the first debate was okay, which is Tim Scott. Tim Scott was really bad in this debate. He was probably the most politician-y guy up there, which before this debate, I would have had to say that it was Mike Pence. Mike Pence was like brutally politician-y last time. It was actually like hard to listen to. He Mike Pence got a little better this time. Tim Scott was the one. I mean, when you say the phrase, vote Tim Scott at the end of your response, you're losing us. Like you're losing it. You, that's implied, bro. Like you don't need to say that to us. Vote for Tim Scott. We know you're running for president. We know you're on the debate stage so that we'll vote for you. So give a good response. You don't need to politician it all up for us. Um, he got into a really bad pattern overall of essentially they would talk about some sort of a national issue, which Tim Scott is a senator. Therefore, he's dealing with national issues. And he had this bad pattern of he would be asked about an issue. He would then talk about how he has addressed that issue in the Senate a lot and made big headway with it. But here's the problem. They brought up that dilemma or that question because of the fact that it wasn't being solved. So essentially what he's saying is you've already entrusted me to take care of this problem. And, it, and I'm saying it happened, but it didn't happen because you're asking me the question 
So why would we trust him again to do it? And by the way, I, I like Tim Scott too. I don't think there's anything, like I think he's had a decently good track record in the Senate, but it's a poor argument to say, I've been dealing with this in the Senate forever when it's still a problem. So clearly he doesn't know how to get the job done. Uh, I think I'm not the only one who noticed that in his speech for that reason, uh, as well as the fact that his answers were just mostly lackluster. Tim Scott was the second biggest loser of the night. Next up, we have Mike Pence. Mike Pence was pretty much in the same spot that he was in the first debate. Not very good. Um, he didn't even get as much time to talk in this debate as the last one, and it didn't really even, like, he just kind of looked dead on, like, to be honest. Uh, I was watching the debate with a big group of friends, and some of them, every time he'd come out, like, every time he'd speak, would call him the corpse, because he looked like a corpse, and and that's not really a him problem, like, that's the makeup, uh, but he looked bad, and he really didn't seem that energetic when he was speaking, so just on his performance alone, he did really bad, but the problem was, is his whole campaign, Mike Pence's whole campaign, is I am Donald Trump, but I didn't try to overturn the election on January 6th. That's his whole ploy. And so for most sane Americans who look at January 6th as a riot that got out of control and didn't actually have that much to do with Donald Trump, we're like, okay, we'll just vote for Donald Trump then. And the weird thing about it was the whole debate, he would say our, he would say this, he'd be like, the thing he would say we or our, he'd be like, our goal was to shut down the border or the things that we did when we were in office were just incredible. And he never said like, who is he including in that hour? And it became really clear quick that the hour and the we was me, Mike Pence and Donald Trump. And so it was just awkward because it was like he was campaigning for Donald Trump the whole time, uh, kind of discreetly. And uh, it was just like, there was no me, like he couldn't really show anything because he hasn't, he didn't do anything as vice president. He just kind of followed Donald Trump's orders and uh, was just always in in second. And when you're in a race with the guy that you were with, second isn't enough. You need to be first. The next biggest loser was Chris Christie, of course. Chris Christie, like Mike Pence, was pretty much in the same boat as... Like he, he was just in the same boat as his first Republican debate. Um, he's the anti-Donald Trump. He had some really good answers on the economy, I will say. This was the first time, you'll notice that in the first Republican debate, people did not bring up Donald Trump very much. Donald Trump was brought up much more in this debate, which was really awesome. It was refreshing. They didn't go far enough. But Chris Christie had a really fantastic answer on the economy where he talked about how Trump also had a point to play in inflation when he racked up $7 trillion in debt. And that's something that Trump supporters have to know about and they have to come to terms with. And they're, if they're okay with blowing out spending, then Trump is their man, but Trump has to be accountable for those things. And so I thought that was a really good answer by Chris Christie. He pulled out some dad jokes. He called Donald Duck, uh, Donald Trump, Donald Duck. Uh, and it landed about as good as you could expect. It was like one of the most uh, deafening silences ever. Uh, Dana, who was Dana from Fox News, who was one of the moderators, literally was like, okay, <laughs> we're going to move on because uh, it was that bad. Um, one, the thing with Chris Christie, he did this in the first debate and he did this in this debate and it, and it was frustrating was he said Trump said Putin was a brilliant and great leader. And this is like the trope that has been used over and over and over again. And 
again, he literally said those exact words in the first debate. And it's like, how many times can these people say this in such a dishonest way? Clearly, Trump was saying on a like strategic level that Putin is a skilled and good leader. Like he knows how to push people's buttons. He knows how to invade a country. And so we shouldn't, you know, uh, we shouldn't underestimate him. And so once again, Chris Christie did this kind of tired routine of how he's saying Trump loves Putin, which is just clearly not true. Um, it, it takes like these credible answers, which are Trump sucks on the economy sometimes. Trump doesn't suck on the economy. He's actually was amazing. But Trump put us $7 trillion in debt. And his last year as president was actually really bad, especially in his you know, response to COVID. He takes those great, really like people need to hear those arguments. And then he covers them with these crap arguments about how Trump loves Putin and he just loses all his credibility. Next up, we have Vivek Ramaswamy. Now, I know a lot of people, a lot of my audience are big Vivek Ramaswamy lovers. I also like Vivek Ramaswamy. He was not as good in this camp, in this debate as the last one. Part of the reason why that was is because in the last debate, he called everyone like bought out, super PAC puppets, which is true. And I liked that he said it. And I think most people did as well. But then this time he kind of changed the narrative, talked about how everyone on stage were good people. And the people on stage were like, bro, you literally called us puppets. So like, which is it? And I, I don't think it played super well, but I still think he got third place in the debate. He did much better than the others. He pivoted mostly to personal anecdotes, stories from his childhood, talking about his family. I think that's very good. I think that Republicans need to do that more because that's something Democrats do very effectively. Um, Ramaswamy went really hard on immigration. He actually talked about ending birthright citizenship for illegal immigrants, which I think is definitely a little further right than the Republican Party is at this point. Uh, so I thought that was bold of him to say that. Um, once again, though, people were attacking him a lot. They were mentioning the super PAC comment. Um, Ramaswamy had, I mean, overall, like through the political minutia of the debate, the people who won just had better answers. It wasn't about attacking each other. And what makes Vivek Ramaswamy good in this debate is that he had really solid answers. He talked about mental health. Uh, he, once again, was very clear for what he stood for, unlike some of the other politicians on stage, like Tim Scott and Chris Christie and Mike Pence. Um, his slogan, he's got kind of the slogan, which is truth, and then he has these things that he goes through. You can see echoes of that slogan throughout his debate, and he really focuses on, on them, and I, I think that made it very effective. Now, we come to the final two, and really quick, before I get to the final two people, I do want to talk about the second sponsor of this podcast, which is Two Beards Post. Right now, if you go to twobeards.club, you can find the best beard and body care. Um, the stuff smells incredible. One of the things that I love most about Two Beards Club, you may notice that I do not have a beard. I have a lot of friends that have beards and need help upkeeping them as I'm sure a lot of people listening do but one of the things that I love that they do uh, for both their beard stuff as well as their body stuff which I uh, prefer to use since I don't have a beard is that they make things in very small doses very small batches just to ensure the best quality right now if you head over to twobeards.club you can see that high quality product again for your beard and bod uh, 
this is a family-friendly podcast, so I won't go into too much detail, but we know that the ladies love a sexy beard. That's why it is important to take care of it well. They have beard butter, creams, oils. You can check all that out again at twobeards.club. If you don't have a beard like me, there's stuff like deodorant uh, that smells fantastic. It's high quality, not aluminum, like all the crappy stuff at the store. Go check it out once more at twobeards.club. All right, Nikki Haley is number two. And that might surprise some people. Nikki Haley has has wound up being a way better debater than I ever thought was possible. Her answers were really solid and there was a fire in her eyes in this debate that was different than the first one. Many people said she did good in the first debate, but this one was different. She had really good answers on healthcare. Overall, just had solid answers. Uh, again, she had a hard time distinguishing herself from Ron DeSantis and from Vivek Ramaswamy, but she went on a wild tirade against Vivek at one point for working with China, which I'll give her credit for. I, I, I don't think Vivek Ramaswamy worked with China in the way that Republicans are wanting to regulate, but I still give her credit for going in hard. She attacked him, Scott, as well. She just kind of seemed hungry. Like she had this fire in her eyes. It was clear that she, I, I just got the sense that people would trust her as an executive uh, and so, again, she didn't do anything special. It wasn't like she had some crazy political strategy. She had good answers, and she didn't look like a corpse on stage. And so that makes her number two in my mind. In my opinion, guys, the winner of this debate was Ron DeSantis. One, he had a lot more time to talk than the first debate, in my opinion. But he had a moment that was so good on stage. And then he gave it up. And if he had stayed on this, I actually think he could have gained tons of traction. He went in on Trump at the very beginning of the debate. He did a similar thing to Chris Christie, talking about how he was not hard on debt. He said that Trump should be on stage. He called him out. He said, Trump should be on stage to answer for what he did in the last year of his presidency. It was a great attack. I thought it was very effective. He, he did it in a way because there's been a lot of talk about Trump shouldn't be debating. And in a lot of ways, I think Tr Trump shouldn't have been at the first two debates because he's got such a good lead. But now Donald Trump is talking about not going to any of the future debates. And the way DeSantis really phrased it was powerful. And I think that for any Trump supporters watching, uh, they, they may have realized that Trump is being kind of a baby about it. Um, he talked about banning the CCP from purchasing land in Florida, which he did. I thought that was really effective, especially when talking about China, which was a central theme of the night. Uh, he also had really good answers on foreign policy, which I think he specifically prepared for because obviously one of the critiques of Ron DeSantis is that he may be a good executive, but he doesn't have any foreign policy experience in the same way that Donald Trump does. And Donald Trump was a very good foreign policy uh, chief executive. And so I think that that was a good pivot for Ron DeSantis to go into a, a foreign policy route and he had good answers. The message from Ron DeSantis was very simple, which was, I don't talk about doing, and this is something that people in other podcasts and other political commentators have mentioned, especially about um, Vivek Ramaswamy specifically, but Ron DeSantis' message was, I don't talk about doing good things. I don't talk about doing awesome conservative things and creating this you know, revolution of conservatism in America. I did them in Florida. Like, I actually did it. And that was the overall message and thesis of his, just the responses in that debate. 
Trump talks about it a lot. Vivek talks about it a lot. And they may be able to execute. We don't know. Trump, and when I say we don't know with Trump, what I mean is we don't know if Trump can win elections anymore because he's lost the last three. But Ron DeSantis just said, look, I talk about it, I do it. There's the evidence. And he did it in a much better way where it wasn't annoying like in the past where he kind of just talks about Florida a lot and he's been criticized for that. I thought it was a really good message. I think if he continues on that message, he will lead uh, Vivek Ramaswamy until the end of uh, the the primary. So here are my overall thoughts. I want to talk a little bit about kind of just my overall thoughts on the issues, but as well as I, I do want to have a word about the moderators. Dana from Fox uh, was a really good moderator. And I saw some things on Twitter about her being bad. I could not disagree more. She had no tolerance for people not answering her questions. And there were some great roast moments during the debate where she literally was like fiery. She was just roasting them. She roasted Tim Scott and Mike Pence for just like not answering her question. She pushed them hard. I thought she was a fair moderator. And so overall, she was the best one by far. Um, I do have a theory though coming out. When you so the person who attacked the most during this debate was Nikki Haley, I would I would say. And I have a theory based on her attacks. Vivek and DeSantis are friends. That's what I think. I think they've talked. They don't attack each other very often. They almost never reference each other. And when the other candidates talk dirt on them, it's, this is the really interesting thing. You'll hear like Nikki Haley talk dirt on Tim Scott. If you ever got a wide shot of that, Ramaswamy and DeSantis were always like right next to each other, nodding their head, kind of laughing and smiling, and sometimes like even pointing. And they had almost like this camaraderie during the second debate where I think that they've been in talks. And I think that if one of them wins the, um, the nomination, which is a long shot, I could see a ticket with DeSantis and Ramaswamy, which I think would be an absolute powerhouse ticket and would take out Biden and uh, Kamala easily. Um, so I could see a ticket with them both. Uh, they both see the war needs to end in Ukraine. They're the only candidates that are kind of in agreement on that. Although their plans are a little different. I think their overall message of like, we need to end this war rather than, you know, keeping to fuel the, uh, the military industrial complex, uh, that they were in agreement on that, uh, to, this is my biggest frustration with the debate was that there was not enough questions that distinguished the Republicans. This is why the, the debate was overall boring and why overall the debate was not good. They were asking these questions on immigration, which is a big issue. And no doubt Republicans know Republicans are the, are the people to, to fix it. But we don't disagree on this. In fact, like half the Democrats don't disagree with us on this. So why are we talking about immigration? We all know we need to build a wall. We all know we need to send the military to the southern border. No one disagrees with that. The, the Republican candidates up there might have just like these tiny disagreements on how to execute that. But overall, every single person, I think speaking as a Republican, I think most Republicans could look at any candidate up there and say, yeah, we trust them to fix immigration. And so I think that was a big mistake. The big disagreements were on TikTok and Ukraine. Uh, they attacked Vivek for being the only one on TikTok as obviously China has big polls on TikTok. And Vivek's response was very simple, which is, if you guys just want to be self-righteous about this and lose, you can do that. But for me, TikTok is how you reach out to younger voters. So I'm going to use every tool at my disposal. 
And I think this was a more powerful argument personally. I understand TikTok uh, is linked to China. I understand the dangers of that. But the reality is, is we have to win elections to enact change. If we want to ban TikTok from the United States, for instance, we have to have a Republican president. And unfortunately, when people are so high and mighty and they say, no, I won't work with those tools, they're going to lose the young vote in a way that Vivek Ramaswamy probably wouldn't. So I think that he won on that front. That was probably his best argument of the night. It made the other people, frankly, just look old and stupid. Uh, there was a lot of fighting, lots of interrupting, especially from Doug Burgum, who apparently just felt like he, with his 3% uh, polling, he felt obligated to have the most time in the room. I mean, in my opinion, you literally should have as much time to speak as the polling suggests. Like DeSantis has four times more um, polling votes than Doug Burgum does. He should have four times more time to talk, in my opinion. But nothing wrong with interrupting. I just didn't think, like, I, I couldn't help but think that there were way too many people up on the stage. When there's seven people and they're all vying for time, I totally get it. You, you know, you want to have your time. You want to be able to get that across. But Doug Burgum, Mike Pence, Chris Christie, Tim Scott, they're not going to win the nomination. Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Nikki Haley, they're really probably not going to be there. I mean, the odds are so low. But they could, and they deserve a chance. The other four literally have no shot whatsoever. So why are they still on the stage? And looking forward to the third debate. So for this debate, you needed 3% in national polling to get there. The next debate, it's 4%. Why? Why do we need to hear from Doug Burgum for the third time? Tim Scott, Chris Christie, Mike Pence, they have nothing to offer that's different. We need to hear people who are polling at 12%, 8%. At the end of the day, it should be Trump, DeSantis, and Ramaswamy on stage. We need to see how they are what answers they have for each other, how they're different. I really think it would only take one debate to know. If Donald Trump's polling is still through the roof after that, Donald Trump is the nominee. That's how it's going to be. But we don't need to hear from Doug Burgum and Tim Scott anymore. They're not going to win. We know it. Don't even get me started on the people who didn't qualify for the debate. They need to drop out. But once again, Trump won the day because they didn't attack him enough. That That is the at the end of this kind of analysis of the debate they should have attacked trump more i know they don't want to alienate the base and that's fine but at some point he has to answer for some of the crappy things he's done and he has and they can attack him on it but if they keep telling people that he did a pretty dang good job and then they're gonna do a good job people just look at it and they're like i'll just go with him especially considering he already has 60 percent polling they also could have attacked biden more I know that we don't want to always make things about the past, and I respect the candidates for looking for the future, but at some point you are running against other people. You need to explain to us why you are better than them, not just why you're good. That was, that was the problem with the night. People were explaining why they were good. They weren't explaining why their opponents were bad. That had to happen. It did not happen for that reason. I do not think the polling will change hardly at all. Ron DeSantis may get some sort of a bump, especially if we see lower candidates like Doug Burgum and Larry Elder drop out. But until that happens, I don't see the polling changing at all. Those are my thoughts on the second Republican debate. Guys, thank you so much for watching. Please subscribe down below if you got a little bit of entertainment or value out of the show today, as well as go check out gulagamerica.com and Two Beards post at twobeards.club. Thanks, guys.